Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Chaos Plan. We would like to remind everybody who's listening that if you would like to take part in the game and the show, all you have to do is to join our Patreon account for $1, and you can get into this Chaos Plan game. As more people join in the games, we will be able to play more games because schedules will line up better, and we would love to see anyone and everyone that is interested in having a good time around a D&D table to join. If you would like more information about the games and why we're running the way that we're running, any of our home rules, or to view our maps or adventure log on what has happened on what days, go to our website, www.theadventuringguild.com, and at the top menu bar, click on the Chaos Plan, and you can use that drop-down menu to explore all of the different things with the game, as well as find out what requirements and perks you get for joining. The wonderful intro music comes from our very own supporter, Adrian Sanabria. So thank you very much, Adrian, for that. And our in-game music comes from TabletopAudio.com. Last but not least, we would like to remind everybody that these games are being run in real time. So no matter when you join, you will be able to jump in with the crew at any point. We're not going to end up so far ahead that you aren't able to catch up. We will make sure that you are able to with one group or another get to the point where you can take part with just about anybody else in the guild. And once we get around level 10 and our characters are too high a level to take part in the adventures with some of the lower level characters, we will be creating a second set of characters so that everybody in the guild will have an opportunity to play with everybody else. And if you have any amazing homebrew or character concepts or ideas that you would like to try out, You are more than welcome to try them out and switch up whatever you want until you hit level 4. There is very few homebrew that will be barred from the Chaos Plan games, as long as they don't have ridiculous god-like stats at level 1. So thank you guys very, very much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you once again for joining us for another introduction of the Chaos Plan. We have a new individual joining us today, and I cannot wait to finally get a tank or an upfront damage-soaking individual into this game. So this will be a lot of fun. So go ahead, introduce yourself and uh, your character. Hi, my name is Sir, and I've been playing D&D for two years now, and I will be playing Arpeggio Fairy, a human female commander with the Crusader subclass made by... Lydia. Arpeggio is a mercenary veteran, a former mercenary, and after years of being quite successful under the tutelage of Fernande de Aragon of the Sky Answers Mercenary Company, I've been working for the Sky Answers Mercenary Company for years on, and our mercenary company operated within the elemental islands and my master preferred to keep our numbers small enough to serve as shock troops and skirmishers our creative problem solving are among the coveted characteristics of our group uh, we were well armed well trained 
we give quarter to surrendering troops and we don't break contract. And we've been that way for several years now. Unfortunately, the nature of our work often finds us working for certain for a certain client one day and working against him on the other. Unless, of course, he keeps hiring our services. Uh, however, all good things never reach a point of stagnation, as we all learn one way or not or another. All it took is an ambitious person who aimed to gain more power without frequent exchange. We were hired to drive out a group of bandits that established a camp within his holdings. The bandit ended up being another company that the client hired. And in the heat of the battle, when both parties were spent, our employer thought it would be wise to send his opponent to eliminate us, and thus not having to pay for our services. In the end, we survived with both mercenary companies working together. Our losses, however, meant the end of our respected groups. Fernand, my master and mentor, and several other of the officers were among the casualties. We decided to go after a treacherous employer dressed as his own men as we infiltrated his castle. Although it was bad form to kill a potential client, he kind of made it personal. And so, after we took time to grieve and write letters home to the families of the fallen, whatever was left of our group decided to part ways, some of them forming a new mercenary band. I, however, declined their offer. And I thought it's probably time to make a name for myself. And so I heard, I heard through the grapevine that if I am to make a name for myself, I learned that Port City is the place to be right now. And so I ride from Komari, from the float house, and started making my way to Atmos. And hopefully there I will find passage to Port City. All right. So we will go ahead then and get started. You heard, like you said, through the grapevine that Port City was kind of the place to be where adventurers go and where former mercenaries and active mercenaries kind of find a new path on what they want to do. Uh, so as you begin to pack your bags and uh, load up everything to get going, a mercenary from the other company named Uru, who you don't know very well, but... In that last coup to take out that treacherous client, you fought beside him a little bit. And he decided that, you know, he's kind of tired of this constant back-and-forth thing in the float aisles and would like to get out of here as well. So he offers to accompany you. Uh, he is an air genasi with very light, wispy hair, and uh, uh, he very much stands out with his extremely pale gray, uh, almost kind of a silvery blue-gray skin, and he is also a gun mage, so that's a little bit different. Combining magic and technology is one of the quote-unquote taboo things about the world, uh, so the fact that he does this sets him apart just a little bit. So... You guys then decide to take off. Is there anything you would like to do before leaving your company? Uh, any last goodbyes you want to say before you go, or would you rather just, you know, spend the last night, you know, with a cup of, you know, with a mug of ale and wish everybody well and leave at first light? What would you prefer to do? I would prefer to have a last mug of meat, and once everybody's passed out, just silently slip out. All right. 
So you do that, and Uru, you know, having mentioned his desire to leave, kind of waits to see that you slip away, and he follows with you. You guys uh, are able to make your way all the way from Kumari down past Perceptum without any real issues. Uh, With the battle having just been fought, everybody is kind of hiding indoors. Nobody wants to get in the way of, you know, two mercenary bands going at it. You know, especially with all the treacherous rumors going around of of being double-crossed and everything else. But as you go across the bridge that separates the Perceptum Kingdom from the Atmos Kingdom, you see on the Atmos side there are a group of four individuals. Go ahead and roll me a... Well, do you want to try and stealth, or would you just proudly ride with your standard uh, held high? So... Where are these people blocking the bridge? No, they would be set up right on the other side. Uh, You know that most people don't, like, block the bridges because the falls are literally thousands of feet. So nobody wants to accidentally get knocked off the bridge. Usually when somebody's trying to block it, they stand. They set up kind of a camp right on the other side of the bridge so that nobody can sneak past without them noticing. Uh, I will just be riding a bit purpose and basically just trying not to bring much attention to me and Uru. We're just currently we're a couple of travelers just making our way through. Alright. As you get closer to the uh, group up ahead, you notice that several of them have, they're obviously wearing dark colors being, um, this is just now with, with how long it took you to get this far. Um, it would probably be twilight right before morning, so it would still be fairly dark. So the clothes that they are wearing are fairly dark as well. Uh, it's rather odd that they would be up this early in the morning, as most people would either be sleeping or, you know, they would be, if they are up and about, they would be heading somewhere, not just kind of sitting around a campfire. And as you get closer, you notice that there is a slight glint on their clothes. It appears that they are very, very well armed. You see two of them appear to have crossbows near them. One of them is wielding a very large spear, and the other one has a staff that glows with kind of a a bluish-yellow light. Very bright light that's kind of hard to look at. They don't seem to be making any real motion your way, but the second you get within ear... when, When they can hear your horse crossing that bridge conversation that they were having completely stops, and they go silent as you guys approach. How far away are they from us right now? Right now, I'd say they take notice of you when you're about 120 feet away, so still a very long distance. Okay, uh, we carry on, but I whisper to Uru, stay behind me, but anything, if it comes to blows target the one with the staff. Okay. He nods once, and you can see that he uh, loads a couple of rune-carved bullets into his pistol, getting ready. Well, I guess, let's see. This one's single shot, so he loads one rune-carved bullet into his pistol, and he begins chanting to himself, definitely expecting trouble. Once you guys get within about 60 feet, you see that the entire group stands up and takes up a loose formation. Not necessarily like they're going to attack, but they are definitely on guard as you guys get closer. 
Would you uh, change anything or just keep approaching once they all stand up and get into formation? I, I, as I get closer, I raise up my hand and just, peace, we just want to get through. We don't want trouble. Alright, the, uh, you see the one with the staff in the back seems to be the, the speaker for the group as the others are kind of that big, gruff, over-muscled, brute-looking type individuals. The uh, one in the staff, uh, you can tell that his voice is being magically enhanced so that it's louder. Uh, but you can hear very, very clearly as he says, We wish peace too, but it depends on which kingdom you come from. Where are you hailing from? We hail from no particular city. We are but former mercenaries looking for just an, for the next job. Alright, you see the... Uh the brutes kind of look at each other and noticing your very, very nice armor and the obviously magically enchanted robes of your partner. And uh, you could tell that there's something devious that they have in mind. The mage calls out in another loud voice, If you are mercenaries, then leave your possessions and we will let you go. As he, as he, as he has, been, has been saying this, can I see... Can I see if I recognize if they're wearing any sort of mercenary colors or any colors from a certain city? Yeah, uh, how close would you get before you make that, that check? It would be a perception check. I would be stopping like 30, 30 feet away. Okay, then it wouldn't be at disadvantage or anything, it would just be the straight perception roll. Okay. Uh, 15? Alright, that is... Uh, a very good roll. Uru rolled as well, but didn't do nearly as well. So you are able to uh, very easily distinguish the darker colors on their their lapels. There are their chest or whatever, because it's probably not fancy enough to have a lapel. Uh, you can see the dagger symbol of the Shadows Guild. So you definitely recognize these individuals are probably... Uh, maybe not thieves, but definitely outlaws, uh, especially given how far away they are from Atmos itself. Most people wouldn't stray this far after dark from the main cities. Seriously, I... Both of us has just came from a very tiring engagement, and we would prefer not to get into battle so soon. Okay, you see that the uh, staffed one... They back up a little bit from the uh, bridge just a little bit to give you a little bit more room to pass. Go ahead and, uh, as they back up, give me an additional perception check. Or insight. Either one. Uh, an, uh, another 15. All right. And which did you roll? Perception or insight? Insight. All right. You are pretty sure that they're giving you room just long enough in order to get you to go past them, and then once they're once you turn your back to them, they're going to attack. Okay. Uh, do I see any further along the road? Do I see any place that we can take cover? Yeah, this would be a uh, fairly rough landscape, uh, more mountainous than it is anything else. So there would be several large uh, boulders or rocks or crevices that you'd be able to kind of use a combination of to duck behind and get a little bit of cover. But they would be at least 40 feet, 50 feet in the distance. If I uh, I move my mouth forward, but I'm going to whisper, I'm going to not do that, stating my intent on engaging 
and as as them, let's uh, I'll be trying to stay ten feet away from them. But once I am within range of one of them, I am going to activate my ambit of authority. Okay, I will go ahead then, and since uh, they aren't expecting that, I will give you uh, a surprise round for that. So go ahead, and we'll roll initiative, and then we'll just see what happens after this first round. Fourteen. Then the turn order will go, uh, you, and then the enemy rolled a twelve, and Uru rolled an eight. So go ahead then, and you'll get a surprise round, and then you'll immediately have your turn out. Okay, uh... Who is within reach right now? Uh, so it would be the spear guy right there in front of you, and then the two guys would be next to him. Uh, so those three would be within five feet, and then the uh, mage individual would be right behind that line. Uh, what are the other two using? What weapons are they holding? Yeah, as soon as you got uh, fairly close, you would see that they have their hands on short swords. Uh, the lead guy, the guy kind of in the middle, has a spear, and then the mage has a staff. I will be attacking the mage. Okay. And then I'm going to be moving out. All right. So then you get uh, right up there within 10 feet. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. I'll be using my pike. Oh, okay. Uh, 22 hit? Yes, very easily hits. Okay, that would be 10, 10 piercing damage. Okay, and with that one strike, you manage to catch him by surprise, and it lands square in the middle of his chest, and he falls to the ground dead in one single strike. These His three companions look extremely cowed and worried about that action. Go ahead, what would you like to do now? Uh, as my action, I'm just going to unfurl my standard... Uh, my mercenary company's standard and I'm just gonna yell who's next okay and then uh, was that your turn to unfurl your standard or was that uh, part of that same turn Uh, that was my actual turn and I'm attempting to intimidate alright go ahead and roll an intimidation check against the three 18 18 okay that gets two of the three so the uh Two uh, guys on the side are definitely intimidated, and they will have disadvantage if they attempt to attack you. The guy with the spear in the middle is uh, too big and dumb to realize that he's outmatched. Alright, is there anything else you would like to do before uh, it's on to their turn? I'm just going to raise my hand, and hopefully Uru will take that as a signal to open fire. Okay, yeah, you can still hear his chanting in the background. So then on to the two, or on to the enemy's turn. The two guys with swords, uh, while very, very frightened, are going to attempt to attack you. They do have disadvantage on this roll. Uh, top one there was a 14 to hit. The second one, the best, was an 11 to hit. Yeah, 11. And then the uh, guy with the spear is just a straight roll. That one will likely hit with a 19. Yeah, my AC is 18. Okay, so then you're going to take one attack. He deals to you six points of piercing damage as his spear uh, just manages to get into one of the joints of your armor. So then we move on to Uru. Uru goes ahead and finishes chanting and pulls the trigger on his gun. 
you see that it glows very brightly with a white glowing light as the bullet releases from it. And he hits the guy on the side with an 18, so that is more than enough to uh, get through his armor. And since he expended a spell slot with that, it deals additional damage, dealing a grand total of 11 points of damage to one of the bandits on the side. And that is exactly what he needed in order to drop one. So we're down to a single bandit and the guy with the spear. Uh, so it is now back onto your turn. Uh, on my turn, I'll be dismounting, and then I'm gonna square off with the man, with the one with the spear. Okay. So I'll maintain a distance of ten feet, and I'm gonna attack with my fire. All right. Uh, sixteen to hit. Yes, sixteen is more than enough to hit. Okay, uh, how far is Uru from me? Uh, Uru would have stayed back at the edge of the bridge, so he would be like 15, 20 feet away. Okay, uh, as a bonus action, I would be using a command, and I'm going to use open fire. Ooh. But this one is a friendly creature target targeted by this command could immediately take an additional attack action using a ranged weapon or ranged spell attack. Okay, he fires off then. Uh, do you specify the target, or does he uh, pick the target? Yeah, he picks a target, but we have to roll for the success. What's that? Uh, four commands have to roll. Uh, oh, to that's right, yeah. Okay, that would be an 18. Okay. and uh, that- Just a normal success, so yeah, just a normal attack. All right, he rolls... And he rolled, I don't know if that's going to be enough. No, one point shy. He only got an 11 to hit. So he was one point shy of what he needed. He released fire, but in the confusion and uh, everything, it it barely missed. So then we move... uh, Oh, anything is a... No, that was your bonus action, wasn't it? That was my bonus action. Yeah, Yeah, that was my my bonus action. And that's my turn. Okay. We then move on to the enemy. The spear guy... Let's see. He's going to go ahead and uh, attack you. And the bandit next to him is going to do the same thing. So the guy with the spear, uh, since he has an ally within five feet, has advantage on the roll. Still, that'll miss you. My highest was a 16 from the spear. And the bandit only rolled a 14. So once again... The spear clings off of your armor, and as the uh, bandit brings his sword down at you, uh, he is still frightened a little bit of you, and uh, just it doesn't have the commitment enough, and you're able to nimbly get out of the way. We then move on to Uru, who tries to redeem himself with an additional shot. That will hit the bandit and deal four points of damage. I rolled minimum damage. Four points of damage to the... Uh, uh, one bandit on your side. Alright, it is back on to your turn. Okay, before that, uh, I will be, as a bonus action, I would be using Icon of Might. And what did I roll? I rolled a 12. So, creatures within the radius of your battle standard suffer a minus one to attack rolls until they move outside the affected area. Okay. This command lasts until the beginning of the next turn. So, I would actually be stepping right in front of them and will be attacking with the pike. Okay, go ahead and make your attack. Oh, the uh, 19? Yes, that very easily hits. Uh, four, eight piercing damage. 
All right. And that was against the spear guy? Yes, spear guy. All right. And that will be enough to finish him off. He falls to the ground. We are down to just the one bandit. That one bandit, being uh, very frightened of what has happened, tries to turn and run. So go ahead. If you would like to make an opportunity attack against him, go ahead. I definitely want to. Oh, no. That's a natural one. Okay. He takes off running 60 feet uh, using his action to dash and uh, takes off into the night. Uh, Do you want to pursue him or will we uh, end combat here? I would signal to Uru to try to take him down. But if he misses, let him go. Alright, Uru then once again takes a shot and that one will hit with a 16 plus uh, whatever his hit is. Uh, And he goes ahead and he's going to charge it with another spell slot. Ooh, and that was more than enough. With 13 points of damage, he brings that last bandit to the ground. On the bodies of the uh, bandits, you don't find anything really of note. You find uh, six silver pieces between the four of them. And the robes that the mage was wearing are maybe a little bit magical, but they don't appear to be really worth a whole lot uh, due to their poor condition. Other than that, they just had their regular food uh, supplies and their weapons and ammo. Uh, would you loot anything off of them before heading on to Atmos? I would loot essential traveling equipment or supplies. All right. You would find off of them then... Eight days worth of rations total, and uh, if you want to take the ammo, they would have two bundles of bolts for hand crossbow or for light crossbows. They have two short swords, one spear, and uh, the staff is just a regular quarter staff, and that would be basically all that they have on them. And the six silver pieces. I would split the six silver pieces between me and Uru, and I will be. And as well as the rations, and I will be taking the light crossbow and the two bundles of bolts. Okay. And I would let Uru, if he, if there's any particular thing that he wants to keep, yeah, I, will, I will let. Yeah, Uru would probably just grab a short sword as a just-in-case uh, he runs out of bullets. Then, of course, take half of the rations and silver pieces and then hop back on his horse. And whenever you're ready to go, he is ready to go as well. Uh, before that, I would be taking all of the bodies and shoving, the, shoving them off the edge. Okay, yeah. Uh, Uru would uh, help, you know, carry the legs, you carry the front, whatever. And uh, you guys are very easily able to dispose of those bodies off of the edge. And they fall for a very, very, very long ways before you see the splash, the tiny pinprick of splashing uh, in the great waters below. I get up on my mount and just say to her, not the ideal first aid as a free agent. Yeah, he shakes his head and says, uh, since he's originally from uh, the Float Isles, he says, Yeah, that's part of the reason why I joined the Mercenary Guild, is there are bandits like these all over. Nobody can make a living here anymore. You're either a bandit or you work in the city. There's no in-between. These people seem more than bandits, so he let's, would, let's just assume that they had friends. Yeah, he would nod, uh, having recognized the uh, Shadows Guild symbol on them, uh, and that is very concerning. You would know enough about the Shadows Guild 
uh, as many Shadows Guild members work within mercenary groups, to know that they pretty much everything has a price. Their morality, their you know conscience, they'll sell it all. It doesn't matter. They they work for money and money alone. All right. Would you continue on to Atmos then? Yes, we would, but we would be more subtle about it this time around. Okay. Uh, you would be able to see the great lights of Atmos uh, on the horizon a little ways. And after a couple hours of fairly decent riding, uh, not encountering really anybody or anything of note, other than the occasional individual walking back to Atmos, having been out searching for these glowing rainbow-colored stones that you've heard about, you get within about, I don't know, a mile or two of the city, and you can see the great glowing roofs of the city, the bright lights and everything about them. You see the occasional flashing light of great airships coming to dock within Atmos itself. Is there anything you would like to do last minute before entering into the city? What would the time of the day? Yeah, yeah, it was just before dawn when you uh, got there, or when you encountered those bandits, and after a couple hours, I would say sun had risen. It would be like 8 to 9 in the morning. So businesses would just be getting opened up, and it would still be kind of breakfast time. I would say we would be taking a quick break out just outside the city limit, taking rations, checking if any of us any of us are injured, and if everything is okay, we would head into the city. Okay, so would you like to take a full hour uh, and recover any hit dice or anything you need? I don't think any of us were injured, so we would be just taking a quick. 10 minute break for rations. Okay. Okay, yeah, he, uh, Uru breaks out one of his ration packs, and there's some hard tack and dried fruit in there. And, uh, he pops some of that in his mouth, uh, uh, grabs a couple more bullets and makes sure they're quick at hand. And other than that, he is ready to go after that quick 10 minutes. Okay, so we head out, but as we make our way towards the city gates, uh, I'm just gonna ask him. So, what do you have planned once we reach Port City? Yeah, he, you see he kind of scratches his chin a little bit and uh, reflects that, well, I don't have much necessarily in plan. Mostly, I just needed to get away from those mercenaries for a while. I've seen too much with the betrayals and working for one person one day and being against them the next. I need more consistency than that. I believe I will take a one of the floating ships, one of the great floating ships to Port City and see what I can do there. The guilds are always hiring members, and the portals seem like something I would enjoy, having a regular group again. I just can't get over the betrayal that happened and losing so many of my old crew. It's too painful to stay here with them. I can understand that. I mean, it's been, you know, you bleed with those men for years and suddenly they're gone. I can understand wanting to spend some time away from it all. Yeah. But yes, onward then. Okay. Uh, He does mention that he does know uh, one of the individuals that works over at the air docks and he believes that he could probably get you guys a kind of a job on one of these airships helping out the crew and whatnot, and uh, you would be able to get passage uh, without having to pay as long as you worked your way across uh, if you'd be interested. 
He says that the next airship isn't due to leave until tomorrow afternoon, so you would have the day here in Atmos to do kind of whatever you wanted. If you so chose to uh, take one of the airships, he would meet you at the air docks tomorrow morning once you guys get into the city. Or he says uh, you guys could, or you could take a regular ship uh, if you preferred, or possibly talk to one of the mages and magic users and secure a portal to instantly travel to Port City. But other than that, he all he, he's going to take an airship, knowing a guy that works there. He feels more comfortable as an air genasi uh, floating through the air than he does with any other form of travel. Uh, do we... Oh, so, just a clarification. The, if we're going through the airship, we would be paying by offering our services, right? Correct, yeah. Well, I don't see of any point on parting way so soon. Let's go ahead and go look for your friend then. Okay. You guys make your way into Atmos, and Atmos is a very unique city in the fact that everything is built up. It's basically one big castle-like structure where the entire outside defensive walls, all of the different businesses, and many of the homes are all kind of in one big keep or building, all connected with different passageways and and large covered walkways everywhere. So it would be very, very easy to find your way over to the docks. Uh, there are signs everywhere. And after a few minutes, uh, 10 or 15 minutes of walking through the crowds and trying to push your way past people, you're able to get to the docks where the airships land. Your friend Uru takes off and says, just a minute, I'll be right back. And after waiting two or three minutes, he comes back with a a large dragonborn-looking individual. Uh, he is a dragonborn. Uh, but with a large dragonborn with brass-colored scales. And uh, he introduces this dragonborn as being one of the, not the captain, but something like the navigator or something like that, uh, on one of these large airships and says that his friend would be more than happy to book us passage on one of these ships that's leaving first thing tomorrow morning if you're okay with doing a little bit of work around the ship. Uh, You look like you're big and strong enough to be able to manage uh, hauling some of the goods and uh, that kind of thing on and off of the vessel. So if you're willing to do a little bit of grunt labor, they'd be willing to give you passage across. You would need to provide your own meals, but boarding would be free. I think okay, we have come to an accord. Yeah, I would be taking that food. Alright, just be here bright and early tomorrow morning and we'll get these crates loaded and on our way to Port City. I reach out. Reach out my hand towards them and offer my hand towards them. I am Arpeggio Ferry, by the way. What's your name? Yes, it's very nice to meet you. My name is... Gotta find all these random generators. I'm terrible with coming up with names on the fly. <laughs> My name is Varric, and I'm the navigator of this ship. And what does the old lady... The name of this vessel is the Sylph, and she's one of the fastest merchant ships that you're going to find in this area. Lovely. I'm looking forward to be working with your, you and your crew, and I hope we don't get into much trouble on the voyage. Yeah, he nods uh, wholeheartedly, and you see he does that whole knock-on-wood thing where he, he reaches over and knocks on the, the pier or uh, 
the side of the building, whatever would be the closest large wooden object he would knock on and uh, agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay. All right. Uh, so then you have basically the day to spend here in Atmos. You can uh, secure lodgings at one of the local inns for two silver pieces a night, uh, meals included. And other than that, there is the whole town in front of you. Uh, what would you like to do with your day? Um, first off, I would like to find a stable that would take my horse, uh, who would be willing to purchase my horse, because I won't be needing it anytime soon, un- unless the airship uh, accommodates uh, tra- the transfer of horses. Yeah, you could bring the horse with you if you wanted. No, no, I will look. I'll be looking for it. Table that would uh, purchase it from me. Okay, let me find the price here. All right, yeah, you find a stable uh, towards the edge of town, kind of where you first entered from, and you're able to talk to the, I guess, the stable owner, and he says that they don't have a ton of use for horses here, uh, being as only really mercenaries use them. But he would be willing to purchase the horse from you for 20 gold pieces, would be the most he'd be willing to pay. If you want to roll some sort of persuasion check, you could maybe get him to pay a little bit more. Of course. Of course I do. (laughs) Oh, there. Uh, 22. Oh, wow. He grudgingly admits that the horse is a very fine horse. Uh, So he'd be willing to go up to 30 gold pieces. You, my friend, have a deal. Okay. You shake on it, and he hands over the 30 gold pieces. All right. What would you like to do now that your horse has been taken care of? Uh, I assume Uru would be hanging out with uh, Braddock for, for the entire day? Yeah, yeah. He would probably be spending most of his time on or near the ship. Uh, being an air genasi, they like that kind of thing more. Okay. Uh, that's... Case, I would be, I would probably, probably be looking for the cheapest lodging that I can find. All right, since Atmos is a uh, more, I don't want to say tourist town, but since Atmos is kind of the landing zone for all main commerce and travel within the float isles, the inns are a little bit more expensive. So the cheapest one you would be able to find is two silver pieces a night. Okay, I will be. Renting a room for the night, but I won't be spending the rest of my day in the end. So, yeah, I would like to find a center where news, current news, are usually being, where you can usually find current news of the political situation or any news in general. Okay, yeah, you would know that there, uh, as you're kind of walking through the main uh, strip of town, the main middle road. Uh, you would hear lots of criers, you know, barking out news of what's going on. Uh, it would be probably a few days old. The most current news would be in the local mages' quarter, uh, where a lot of the mages are in constant contact with uh, the different parts of the world and all the other major mages' guilds. Uh, one of the mages' guilds would be kind of on that main drag as well, that main... Um, uh, street there, so you would be able to find it while looking for other news. What all would you be looking for for information? Uh, trying to see if there's news about the actual 
of any nobles being murdered or any news of the battle that we that I survived. Alright, you would know that it wouldn't be in the Mages Guild that would be uh, really talking about that. They would have more news of the other islands and what's going on. But you do hear uh, one Barker on the street talking about a corrupt noble who is amassing an army. But you wouldn't hear if he has died or anything yet, being as it happened so soon. But you would definitely hear rumors of this, or hear news of this noble amassing an army. And it could be the next invasion from Kumari, news of another civil war, and that kind of a thing. It would be very dire news, but it, nobody would know yet that the noble has passed. So this this rumor came from Kumari so Correct. Okay. And no bounties being posted on any of uh, any of uh, on me or any of the other mercenary? Not that you've heard but, yet, no. Okay. There would always be bounties out for different mercenary groups and stuff, um, but none that is tied to yours specifically. You guys skirted pretty close to being you know, you, you honored your contracts and did what you were supposed to do, so uh, there wouldn't be one out for you. But you do see contracts out on several other groups. Okay. okay. I guess I might as well go back to the Mage Guild and gather any interesting news coming out from the from Port City and any of the exterior vicinity. All right. Go ahead. Uh, yep. Go ahead and roll me a percentile die. Oh, uh, 71? Okay, yeah. The news source that you're, or the mage that you're talking to who's currently scrying and, and checking up on the world uh, has a very good source of knowledge, or a very good source of information and news. Uh, you would hear that Port City, uh, the seed sowing festival, is going to be going on here very, very soon. And uh, all sorts of people gather from various parts of Arcadia, especially in the Elemental Islands themselves. Many people gather. And it's a very interesting and crazy place to be during the festival. You would also hear news from the Tangle that uh, different portals... Uh, the Tangle would be one of the other islands. Uh, you would hear that uh, portals have been opening much more frequently than normal. And uh, different mages and scholars have been dispatched to try and identify what is going on. Uh, you would hear that on the... Isle of Thalos, uh, around Port City itself, you would hear that Shard Academy, the uh, kind of a bastion and a training facility and a barracks to prevent the creatures of the Dark Bellows from encroaching upon the surface world, you would hear that the activity there has been much stronger, much more activity than normal. And lastly, uh, you would also hear news of the Tangle that in the uh, in a wizard's tower clear at the peaks in the center of the uh, tangle that strange new magics have been discovered that fuse magic items with flesh uh, and it's a very odd process but has great potential for the future. Well, that would kind of be the news that you gather. There would be other rumblings and rumors but uh, those would be the most interesting things that you heard. Okay. I will probably be spending the entire day uh, gathering information, and once dusk 
Alright, so it'll be retiring. Okay, yeah, you gather more information, you get um, information on the guilds, uh, where they're located at in Port City, who to talk to, you get information about some of the different locales there, some of the merchants that are there that you can find, names of different smiths and adventuring groups that are recruiting members and that kind of thing. So you're able to get all that information and then dusk begins to set. Your stomach begins to grumble a little bit from not having a proper full meal in a little while. I uh, would the lodgings I've uh, rented would, would they be offering uh, milk as well? Yeah, you would know that the, the inn doesn't look like it serves probably the best food in the world being as it's a lot more it's not nearly as nice as some of the other inns, but the meal would be uh, edible and pretty decent. Uh, it looks like they were having some sort of roasted meat and root vegetables, so like meat and potatoes. Uh, a very filling meal, if not the most creative meal. Works for me, yeah. I will be taking that with a pint of meat. Okay, yes, you're able to very easily get that. You see your uh, Air Genasi friend Uru stumble in uh, hours later, well after dark, and uh, he takes a, a mug of mead as well and just starts talking to anybody that will listen about all this technical jargon about the airship and how it runs and the different elementals and the magic that had to be used in order to get it to fly and and somehow they still managed to make it work with mechanics involved, and on and on and on, just talking anybody's ear off that would listen. Oh, he seems very, what they rejuvenated by being around on the airship. Yeah, he, you can definitely tell he's having a better day than he's had in a very long time. I would humor him and let him, uh, let him just ramble, ramble around. <laughs> okay. He continues rambling until the uh, innkeeper ends up shooing him to his room, saying that he's scaring off the rest of the customers. And he does so kind of jokingly, but also because he's tired of listening to the rambling. At this point, it would be getting close to ten bells, and uh, the innkeeper would be dampening the fire and getting everything put away for the night. Okay, then I will be heading to my designated room, and I'll just taking uh doffing my armor and I would start cleaning my equipment before actually heading to bed. Okay, you're able to get all of that done and the inn is relatively quiet. Uh, you can hear the occasional clomp of feet going down the hallway uh, outside of your room, but nothing really too odd. And after you clean your armor and your equipment, uh, you're very easily able to get a decent night's sleep. The mattresses would be made of uh, furs and straw, a fairly typical mattress uh, in this kind of an inn, but it's comfortable enough. Uh, you've slept on worse as a mercenary out in the field, and uh, you're able to very easily then in the morning wake up before first light, as many mercenaries do, and get ready for the day. Is there any place you would like to hit before running to the airship? You would have about 30 minutes or so by the time you get completely ready and eat a little bit of breakfast and that kind of thing before you have to be at the airship. I would take that last 30 minutes just walking around the city. I'm probably taking the, the scenic route towards the airship, taking in the city, which I'm 
probably won't be seeing in a very long while. All right, yeah, you're able to kind of take the long way around, and you kind of walk up along the outside walls and look over the city from above. Uh, well, kind of above, there's lots of towers, but you're able to get up a little ways on top of the city walls and look over everything, and it's the city is just starting to wake up, and businesses are opening their shutters, and it's a very peaceful scene. Uh, as you get close to the airship, you see that they're already starting to load crates and boxes, and once you get within eye shot, they tell you to drop your bags on the inside of the ship in the cabin area. Uh, they assign you a hammock, and you uh, set your belongings down, and they put you to work loading boxes and crates. After you do that, the ship takes off. Is there anything you would like to do during the journey uh, in particular, or do you just kind of hang around Uru and help out moving things and that kind of stuff in general? Um, I would be very interested in learning how to run the airship or probably taking a certain task on, on uh, within the crew, like probably learning how to navigate something like Okay, yeah. You're very easily able to find that same uh, Varric the Dragonborn and you're uh, kind of hang around him and he shows you some of the navigational tricks to the airships. Uh, you learn about the drift of the wind. Uh, depending on its direction, you have to alter your course. You learn about navigating using the different small islands that aren't really charted so much as just kind of a, a general idea of where they are. And you're able to pick up some of those tricks and those kind of things. So go ahead and somewhere on your character sheet, mark down that you uh, have 10 days worth of study in getting proficiency in navigator's tools uh, because of this very expert navigator that you're learning from. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. You see Port City up ahead. The last couple hours of the flight are very exciting, I guess, for lack of a better term. You can see that there are all sorts of crew members running about getting ready to dock. Uh, you can see that there is a mage on board that is making contact with the Isle of Thalos in Port City itself in order to kind of that, that landing, you know, you hear the air traffic control, kind of like that uh, with mages. And you can see up ahead the very two, the two very, very tall lighthouses known as Lights Grasp Lighthouses and you guys uh, center yourself right up with the city, and you land on the far north side uh, without incident. After about 45 minutes to an hour of unloading crates onto carts and wagons right outside, you are able to grab your gear and exit the ship. Uru is waiting at the uh, edge of the ship, kind of on the plank there, and is waiting to say his goodbyes. You can see that he doesn't have any bags with him and appears to be wearing the uniform of one of the crew members now. I see you found your calling. Yeah, his very, very gray, pale skin blushes visibly, and he kind of scratches the back of his neck and says, Yeah, I've always been extremely attached to sailing in the sky, and I just never thought I'd have the opportunity to work on one of these, but... Who would have guessed it? An air genasi has a place in the air. And he kind of laughs at his own dumb joke. Mm -hmm. Who would have guessed? <laughs> he toots you. All right. He reaches out his hand and to shake and has a small pouch uh, in his other hand. And he hands it to you as a goodbye gift. Uh, within the pouch, you see that there are four round orbs. 
And those round orbs, he says, if you ever are in a situation where you need to get out of something in a hurry, just throw those on the ground and they'll explode in a flash of light. Uh, It'll give you a, a couple of seconds to get out of the way if you get too close in combat. I hopefully won't be needing them now that I'm not the mercenary gig anymore. You're too kind, Fred. He shakes your hand one last time, and with a wave goodbye, he heads back into the uh, interior of the ship itself. I just yell back at Uru. If you need someone, someone's head, then you know who to call. <laughs> All right. He gives you a wave back and disappears into the ship. On your character sheet, go ahead and write down those four orbs that you got. When you throw them onto the ground, they act like a... Uh, basically, you can use the disengage action as a bonus action as they create like a flash of distracting light. Interesting. Alright, you are now within Port City. So you're kind of right where the West Road is, kind of on the north side there is where the docks are. Uh, the air docks uh, on the north side, right where the West Road exits out of the city. Uh, so you would be clear up there. Uh, you would know that the uh, guilds all center in kind of the center of the town there. There's the Tinker's Guild, the Fighter's Guild, the Merchant's Guild, the Mage's Guild, and the Temple Guild. The Shadow Guild is kind of a secret, um, so you would actually have to try and contact one of their members to figure out where that one is. Uh, otherwise, the two middle-class sections on either side of the town would be middle-class, so the inns would be better, a little bit more expensive than the one that you stayed at, but not too terrible. The uh, southernmost middle-class area would be also a decent place to stay, and then there is the poor area and the warehouses where it's extremely cheap to stay, but you take your own life into your hands at that point. There is an elven district clear on the north end of town as well that you could attempt to stay at, but they tend to be a little bit xenophobic uh, of other races there. Uh, you would know that if you do join a guild, uh, you would get free lodging and uh, room and board and that kind of stuff. So where would you like to set off from here? It would be the 14th of planting, the day right before the festival. Or no, it would be the 15th of planting. So it would be the first day of the festival. Most of the festival would be taking place kind of in the area between the middle class and the warehouses uh, on that kind of southeast end of town. Hmm. I would like to find lodgings and, well, first of all, their business is finding lodgings at the middle district. Okay. In the uh, middle class area, would you go to the left, or the one on the east, the one on the west, or the one on the south? The one on the south. We roll this. Well, you gave me a bunch of rolls, and I haven't used them yet. All right, so you are able to find a very cozy-looking inn. It would be called the... I don't like that name. It would be called the uh, Drunk Mug would be the name of this tavern-slash-inn-slash-eating facility. You see that it is a kind of a typical medieval European-looking type building with the wood timbers on the outside and the stucco kind of uh, stone type work on the outside with a thatch roof. It appears to have a decent number of rooms, uh, less than a dozen, but not a whole lot less than that, with a very large common area on the inside. The individual that greets you at the door is a plump halfling woman. 
and she introduces herself as Isla, and she says that she would be more than happy to get you a mug of ale or mead or, or whiskey or or anything that you would like to drink if you want to come inside for a little bit. You look like a traveler, and we'd be more than happy to put you up. Oh, look, we're just getting some food off of the grill. And she's just goes on and on and on, being extremely um, boisterous about making sure that you're as comfortable as possible, even though you're still technically standing outside of the inn. Peace, woman. I would <laughs> love all of those things. I'm going to stay in Yeah, we would be more than happy to put you up. And as a matter of fact, we just had a room open up not too long ago. It only costs... Go ahead and roll me a charisma check. A check? To see if uh, what kind of discount you're going to get on this. Oh, uh, 17. All right. Well, the cost of this inn is eight silver pieces a day. But we can tell that you're a very helpful individual. And, you know, if you'd be willing to... Help us split some wood for the fire here. We'd be willing to knock it down to six silver pieces a day. Oh, that is mighty generous of you. I would love, I would love that. Okay, and she slaps you on the back with a surprising amount of force and says, Well, you know how it is. I'm I'm not exactly in the shape to be splitting wood all day. And she chuckles a little bit and uh, talks about how she's not as young as she used to be. And if my lazy son would ever get off his bum and go do it, I wouldn't have to cut corners and ask our guests to do it, but you know how kids could be and she chuckles as she wanders off into the uh, back kitchen area to get your food and drink. Uh, I, I was about to reply that all of a sudden she just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she comes back about two minutes later without even like, without the conversation having stopped in her mind and she says, well, you know how kids are it, it doesn't matter what you ask them to do. They're just eat your food and, and laze around and, and play pranks. And, and But what can you expect? Us halfling folk, we do enjoy a good laugh. And she sets down your plate of uh, food that you didn't ask for. Well, you didn't pick out what food. But she sets the plate down in front of you, and it appears to be some sort of meat pie of some variety. So thick, buttery crust on top with some sort of beef or something like that, some red meat on the inside with lots and lots of vegetables and the mead that she sits down in front of you is a dark uh, has kind of an orangish tint to it, a very very flavorful mead uh, with notes of uh, different fruits that you're not quite familiar with and uh, she sets it down and says, well I hope you enjoy your meal Ah, thank you and I do enjoy your company (laughs) Okay uh, she's uh, after you eat for a little bit and you kind of get a feel for the room and all the other guests around uh, she mi- asks uh, so why are you in town uh, I got fired from my former job and trying to find the next for the next yeah I got fired oh no well if you're looking for work I know there's lots of people that are always hiring. Oh, if you go over by the portal in the Mage Guild type area, oh, that's north of town, I, or north a little ways. I guess you're probably not too familiar with this area yet. Um, if you go there, there's all sorts of jobs being posted, and the guilds are always hiring. It really depends on what you're looking for. With that giant armor and everything, you look like you could probably work for the Fighters Guild, or I don't know, maybe you've got some magic in you. They've got the Mages Guild, or if you're the pious type, and she does the little symbol or whatever, not really crossing herself, but whatever would be. <laughs> An appropriate symbol. She says, well, the Temple's Guild is always looking for people, too. 
Oh, oh, oh my god, my goodness. Uh, yeah, uh, is there anything I should be uh, watching out for in this city? Oh, as long as you don't get too close to the docks and you keep a firm hand on your coin purse, you don't have anything to worry about. Especially with the festival here. During the seed sowing festival, everybody gets along. It's kind of the rules. Not sure why they're the rules, but they just are. And this festival, how long, how long does it go? Oh, it just started this morning and it'll end tomorrow night with a big bonfire. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Uh, where would the uh, festival festivity be happening. I mean, there's got to be a place where everybody's gathering. Oh yes, today would be the day where most of the ritual and the business takes place. The seed sowing festival is, it celebrates agriculture and all the different uh, islands and people get together and share information on how to grow different crops and farms and trade equipment and seeds. So today is when all the business usually happens. It's a little bit boring. That's why I'm here taking care of the end. But tomorrow... Tomorrow is when all the vendors and merchants and food stalls and and all sorts of fun things happen. And it all ends in a, a big bonfire at the very end of the night. That all takes place kind of a little bit south of here near where the warehouses are. There's a big large area where they kind of clear everything out of the way and all of that happens. So if you're going to go to the festival one day, go tomorrow. Today is the day of a boring talk and lectures, unless you're a farmer, no. You said, but you said to avoid the docks, but and they're going to be doing it over there. Yeah, right, kind of near the water. Right, it's probably a good idea since it is such a large bonfire to have it near the water. You, you actually make a good point. Hmm. I'm sorry, I've been spending, I've spent most of my life up in the sky. Ooh, that sounds very fascinating. It is. I mean, unless you're afraid of heights, but I, I doubt that. Yeah, I once took a really big fall, but I'm not too afraid of anything, really. It's a halfling deal. Hmm. Well, I, I look around. Uh, is, is the tavern or inn pretty busy, right? Yeah, it would be probably by the time you unloaded from the airship and, and made your way across town, looking at everything, it would probably be getting towards the end of lunchtime. So uh, there would still be a few people in here, not a ton, but most of the folks would be finishing their meals and getting ready to head back out. Oh, I appreciate the information, uh, Miss uh, Sarah Isla. Isla, yes, uh, that's correct. I'm out at Joe by the way. Uh, oh, yes, it's wonderful to meet you. I'm sorry I didn't get your name. And she reaches her hand out. I shake it for me. <laughs> okay. I guess once I'm just gonna enjoy my meal and probably set my belongings on my room and then. I would be heading out towards right. the Mage Guild. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able to do that. And by the time you get done with your meal and put your stuff upstairs, uh, there would be not a whole lot of traffic in the common room. It would be pretty much empty other than the occasional person just sitting there enjoying a mug of mead. So you're able to get out into the streets, and you notice the streets are fairly busy. Uh, most of the people that you see, though, definitely look like they're in the agriculture trade. They either have like a draft horse or an oxen or something like that, pulling a, a small cart filled with equipment, or um, they would be, you know, carrying large bags of seed or something along those lines. 
and you're able to eventually make your way up to the Mage's Guild. The further away you get from the docks area, uh, the, the less busy the streets get. So you're able to very quickly make your way up to the Mage's Guild. Would you go into the guild itself and explore there, or would you go to the jobs board uh, nearby, or where would you go within the Mage's Guild area? I would be interested in checking out job postings. Okay, yeah, you go up to the job posting board, and it is immense. Think, you know, the length of a building, as tall as, uh, like, the tallest individuals around eight foot down to... Uh, the shorter individuals, about two foot. So from about two to nine feet in the air, there's just posting after posting after posting of different jobs available. Everything from easy escort this noble to their relative's house in the country, uh, all the way up to raid a dragon's lair and bring back some of the treasure there. Uh, the jobs are just so varying. And you see many of them have individual people's names on them, but they also have the seal of one of the guilds, uh, meaning that a guild member taking that job could earn favor with that guild. And it's just a massive collection of different things. Hmm. I would like to seek out job postings from two of the guilds, uh, mainly the Merchant Guild and the Fighters Guild. And... I would be searching for the most, maybe not the most prominent ones, but something that I'm sure, I'm sure that I'm capable of handling. Okay, yeah, you would see um, for the Fighters Guild one, you would see that there are several missions in town that you can do. Some of the very specific ones are help train newcomers into the guild, and there are several patrol ones, uh, assist the city guard in patrolling the walls and uh, keeping order during the festival. Uh, for the Merchant's Guild, most of those quests would be guarding the merchant stalls, uh, acting as bodyguards and stuff like that during large trade agreements and that kind of thing. I'm interested in two of the Fighters Guild uh, postings. Uh, one of them is the patrol, the patrol job, and the other is training newcomers. Okay. Uh, Both of those would have uh, little contact information things on the bottom of them that say contact the Fighters Guild in order to accept the job. Uh, Looking at the one that trains, actually for both, are there any additional details written on them? Uh, No, they would just be, for the patrol one, it would be basically you would just take a shift, a one-day shift, and patrol the uh, streets during that time. You could, of course, enjoy the festival some as well, but uh, it would mostly be just keeping an eye on the festival itself during that day. And then uh, the other one for training recruits, it would have a schedule posted, and it would be three days total of uh, work, and the wages are negotiable on both of them. Uh, For both of them, inquire at the Mages Guild to accept. Interesting. Yeah, I'll be... Uh, how does it work? Do you just rip out the posting from the board and just bring it with you? Correct. Or do you... Okay, uh, I'll be taking both of those. All right. You take both postings with you and you head over to the Fighters Guild. The Fighters Guild is a very large building and uh, it consists of kind of a coliseum on the outside, a very large arena 
as its main focus. Uh, there also is a very large blacksmithing type crafting area off to one side, and uh, most of the actual guild itself is within the Colosseum, uh, kind of underneath and around the main supports on the outside. Uh, you're able to very easily kind of find the main entrance type area to it, and you take those job postings up to the kind of front counter receptionist type gal, I'm assuming, correct? Uh-huh. All right. You take those up to her, and she is a beast folk. Uh, she looks like to have the... Let's see. She is a cat, uh, so she has some sort of... Uh, she's a beast folk of some variety, kind of like a tabaxi, but not quite. She has the fur and the cat features, um, but she's much, I guess, broader than what a sleek thief-like cat would be. She would be more of a, uh, like a lion-type, influence-type creature. But she is very, very polite, and when she sees you coming in with two posters, she says, Oh, you seem rather ambitious, bringing in two jobs. Are you a guild member? Not right now, but... If I like what I see, maybe I'd consider joining. Oh, we would love to add you to the ranks. I can tell already that you would be somebody that would be of great use to the guild here, and that could earn a very good living assisting us. So Yes, uh... No, go ahead. Uh, actually, I'm interested on both of these jobs, because one of them has a flexible time, and the other is pretty regular, so I believe I can work maybe around these two postings? Yes, we would love to assist you with those. You can only accept one at a time, but luckily for you, the training one isn't a mission that you can take on today. It would be after the festival ends. So we can temporarily hold this second posting for you until you complete the first job. Since most of the day is gone today, the security job for the festival would take place tomorrow. You would begin early in the morning and take part until the festival ends at dinner time tomorrow. You could, of course, enjoy the festivities as long as you still took care of the uh, security and made sure that you didn't spend too much time in any one place. Would I be patrolling alone or would I be partnered up with someone else? You would be patrolling alone, but we will give you a signet that if you run into any kind of trouble, just crush it, and the Fighters Guild will converge on your location. Ah, that's pretty handy. Yeah. Okay, if you would like to accept this, hold out your hand, and I will get your licensing taken care of. You would know that to... What's that? Hold out my hand, and I just do... I do exactly that as I say it. Okay, yeah, she... As you hold out your hand... Uh, she brings a small pin knife, uh, just a really tiny knife out, and uh, since you don't already have an affiliation with a group or a guild or anything like that, she uh, pricks your finger or your palm or something like that just a little bit to draw a single drop of blood and uh, wipes it on the contract. Uh, once that happens, the contract flashes just a little bit and uh, rolls up and she keeps it with her. She says, this is just to make sure that we're able to track and monitor your progress during this quest. As soon as you finish, come back here for your payment. That's new? Not being aware of such kind of contract being taken? Uh, magical contracts? Uh, uh, do, I, do I get a copy of that? Uh, 
for my reference, for my own reference. Yeah, she says as soon as the job is completed, she will give you the contract. Oh, I see. I guess I can work with that. Okay, and she also mentions that once you uh, actually become a guild member, they don't have to do that pricking of the blood thing. Um, All you have to do is accept the contract, and since you're a member of the guild, they can automatically keep an eye on your progress and location. But since you're not a guild member, they, they do that in order to seal the contract to you. So nobody else can take it, and uh, uh, you have laid a claim. She hands you uh, one gold piece right away and says, "This is half of your payment. Upon returning at the end of the night, we will hand you, we will pay you the other half of the uh, gold piece for your work today, as well as the contract. And if you wish to join the guild at that point, we can set up a time in order to initiate you into the guild." What what is involved in joining the guild? Okay, uh, are you asking meta terms for the actual mechanics or asking her specifically in-game? Yeah, I'm asking her specifically. Okay. All that you have to do in order to join the guild is just swear oaths that you will uphold the laws and standards of the Fighters Guild and that you will do all that you can to bring glory and honor to our names and that you will be the best warrior that you are able to be in whatever fight you choose to fight. After that has been completed, you will able to you will be able to take jobs from us uh, with having priority on those jobs. You will be notified of any special assignments and special jobs that we only offer to guild members. You will also get discounts on any guild services and uh, trade that you do within the guild, and you will always have a home within any guild hall that you visit. Interesting. I would definitely keep that in mind. But for now, I have a job to do. All right. She says, yes, then return here first thing in the morning to get your signet, and we will assign you your patrol route. Very well. See you tomorrow. All right. It is uh, kind of early afternoon then, uh, not quite dinner time. Let's call it about four in the afternoon after you get all that kind of stuff done. What would you like to do then uh, before retiring back to the inn for the evening? Or would you go back to the inn and just kind of study up on Port City itself? I would actually prefer studying on Port City by walking around the area. Trying to at least, before my actual patrolling job, to at least see most of the city as much as I can. Okay, yeah, you spend the rest of the evening walking around and you notice that there are people of all variety and stripe and class and race that you can possibly imagine. Uh, all in this location. While the more humanish humanoids are more prevalent, uh, the classical fantasy races like dwarves, elves, halflings, uh, humans, that kind of thing, are kind of the most populous around here. There are also creatures and things that you're pretty sure would break your mind if they weren't hiding behind some sort of illusion. There are great old one type beings, uh, illithids and mind flayers walking alongside beast folk of all different creature type, I guess. Uh, You see the very large goliaths decked out in plate mail carrying swords larger than you are down to small little fey creatures wielding miniature versions of weapons floating around with their colorful wings. Uh, Everything and person that you can imagine is here. The architecture is just as varied. 
The poorer areas tend to be a little bit less diverse since it's, uh, or as far as their uh, architecture is concerned, because most of the building materials there are very ramshackle. But when you get into the middle class areas and the upper class areas, they are just as varied as uh, every, all the creatures there, uh, all of them bringing their own kind of culture and homes to it. Uh, you also notice that there seems to be a lot more people here than there is space to hold as far as housing. And as you explore a little bit more, you notice that a lot of the buildings have strange magics about them where you'll notice that there are like four windows on the side of a building, but when you look into those windows, you can't really see anything. There, There isn't like a room on the other side. There's just kind of like a void. And small houses that don't look like they contain more than eight to ten people total, you know, 20 to 30 people will walk in and out in the span of, you know, 10 minutes. So there's all sorts of strange extra dimensional pocket dimension type things going on with a lot of the buildings here. But other than that, uh, you just notice that there is anything and everything to be found. People, races, People. stores, everything can be found here. Uh, is there, I don't know, is there a clear, uh, clear segregation of certain people uh, to specific uh, areas of the city? Not a ton. You do notice that a lot of the more aquatic races, the uh, aqua elves and the merfolk and all of that, tend to all be kind of in the docks area, uh, either on houseboats or on living under the water or in the poor district. And uh, there does appear to be more of the I don't want to call them less intelligent races, but the typical goblins and orcs and kobolds that are civilized uh, tend to be in the poorer areas as well. But other than that, there isn't really a clear segregation necessarily between races. Most of the segregation that you see would be between magic users and those that are very clearly technology wielders. So you'll see you know, mages openly scowl and uh, shoot dirty looks and insults at those that are carrying clockwork gear or being escorted by warforged uh, individuals near them and the tinkers uh, shooting just as many terrible insults and dirty looks at the magic users. So that's about the only segregation that you really see. Otherwise, it appears to be pretty equal. Okay. Uh, In that case, once... Maybe until, maybe until, did they, did they ever go to the Elven District? No, you, well, yeah, you could have uh, walked through there during your trip. Um, it would have been very open and nature It's actually on the outside of the city walls, and there are orchards there that try to simulate the forests, but it, it's nowhere near what actual Elven cities would be like. Uh, but they do their best. A lot of the buildings there are all wood uh, you see that there are a vastly larger number of wildlife and druids and those kind of things that you normally would not associate with a big city there. Okay, uh, in that case, I would start heading my way back to the drunk mug and grab myself a pretty decent but humble dinner. Okay, yes, you're very easily able to uh, consume that dinner and listen to the chatter of the different guests and the innkeeper and uh, the innkeeper's worthless son happens to actually come down to help out with passing out plates and bussing tables and uh, then after that 
you are able to retire to your room. I would do my nightly ritual, cleaning my equipment, my armor, and actually I would I would probably ask Ayla for if she has any writing material. Oh yeah, she's very easily able to find you eight pieces of parchment and a quill pen and ink. Okay, uh, I, before I retire, I'll be sitting down and writing a letter to my parents and just letting them know, know of news of what happened to my company and where I'm currently at and, and ensuring to them not to worry about me and that I'm currently safe. And within the parcel, I would enclose my, the regular amount of uh, gold that I usually send back to them whenever I write. Okay. Would you want to deliver this letter yourself, or would you uh, hand it off to the innkeeper to deliver for you? I would. I would. I would love. I would have Ida deliver it. Okay. Isla then promises to send it off. And uh, it will go out first thing in the morning. Is there? I, is there? I would hope that, that ten gold pieces is probably a good amount, right? I didn't even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. To include in a letter, uh, the Elemental Islands in this whole area is a little bit richer than standard D and D. Uh, the average work price would be between five and ten, or five silver pieces and a gold piece a day, uh, depending on skilled or unskilled labor. So people would have a little bit more money than normal here. So ten would be a, a very good sum to send back. Yeah, I'll, I'll mark off ten gold pieces then. Okay. Then is there anything else you'd like to do before calling it a night and rising in the morning? No, I think I think that's all I have for the for the. All right, you're able then to very easily get some shut-eye and wake up the next morning. Uh, You wake up with plenty of time to make it back to the Fighters Guild. The streets are still sleepy, and uh, shutters and uh, shops are just now starting to open up for the day. Uh, You're able... Sorry. Uh, Before that, I I would obviously do... I would obviously be chopping chopping firewood for Isla as a group. Okay. Uh, so after you get done chopping wood and all that kind of stuff, you're able to uh, get out and into the streets and then get to the Fighters Guild and all that kind of stuff. Um, would you stop anywhere along the way or are you going to just head straight towards your patrol route? Or straight to the Fighters Guild to get your patrol route? Uh, I, probably if I find a big bear, probably get some, some bread to bring with me during the podcast. Okay, yeah, you're able to, as you're walking along, find a nice little bakery, and uh, there have fresh rolls and breads and that kind of stuff, and so you're very easily able to uh, purchase those for a copper piece per loaf, or two rolls for a copper. Okay. All right. Uh, So you get over to the uh, Fighters Guild in a very decent pace, and uh, after getting there, they hand you the signet and tell you that if you run into trouble, just break it, and it will alert all of the nearby Fighters Guild members, and they'll converge on your location. There are three main patrol routes. There is the patrol route that goes around the temple-type district. 
There's the patrol route that goes down the main street towards the docks. That's where all the merchants and vendors are. And then there is the actual festival area down by the docks in the middle class type area there as well. So go ahead and roll me a d6. On a 1 or a 2, it'll be the temple. On a 3 and a 4, it will be the main street. And on a 4 and a 5, you'll be in the actual festival area. So let me know what that result is. Uh, 4. All right. So with a 4, you are in kind of the middle road, that road that goes between the temple and the festival area itself. So this would be the busiest as far as people is concerned. Um, with a lot of the stalls and the food vendors and all that kind of stuff set up here. So you begin your route walking back and forth. What is your passive perception? Uh, That would be 15. 15, okay, that's pretty darn good. So you are able to notice that most of the people here appear to be, as all these stalls are being set up and stuff, a lot of the people here appear to be there for a reason. You don't see a whole lot of people loitering around. This early in the morning, it appears to be fairly business-like. The ones that are trying to get to specific merchants and get first shot at all the wares there. So um, we're going to go ahead and split this up into four groupings at two hours each, basically. So this first one, the people that are there are there for a reason. Nothing too crazy or um, ridiculous is happening. Go ahead, and for the second round, roll me 2d20. And then tell me, are you going to be stopping to look at any of the merchants and the wares, or are you just going to focus on the job and keep to it? I would certainly remain professional and stick to it. 2d20, that would be 14 and a 16. All right. With both of those rolls, not a whole lot happens. You see one little girl appears to have fallen at some point, and a small elven girl fell and scraped her knee and cried for a little bit. Uh, And then, other than that, it was pretty much just a quiet time. You see that as you're walking back and forth, a strange gnome with a fedora seems to be talking to a satyr of some variety that is playing uh, that was previously playing music for a bunch of the children and they seem to be having a very interesting conversation but uh, nothing too crazy or out of the ordinary seems to happen so once again you go all the way to the end of the row to where the festival area is and loop back up towards the fighters guild and when you uh, loop back towards the Fighters Guild, that satyr seems to be now talking to a different old gnome, very elderly in years, with white wispy hair. And you hear muttering from some of the other people that a very large spider-like creature passed through here a little way or a little while ago on the way to the Merchants Guild. But other than that, nothing too much of note. So on your third pass through, go ahead and roll me two d20 again and give me those results individually. And would you spend any time looking at the merchants, or uh, just going to stick to your duty again? I would be be looking up at uh, the merchants. Okay. But as for my role, it's a 7 and a 1. Oh, okay. uh, We'll go ahead and start with the 7. On the way back down, um, back towards where the festival area is from the Fighters Guild, you hear a shriek out of nowhere. Uh, do you try to find out where that shriek uh, came from? Definitely. Yeah. All right. You get all the way down there uh, to where this uh, 
human woman is standing. She appears to be middle-aged, um, and she shrieks that her purse was stolen, her coin purse. Somebody cut it and and dashed off. And, and in the crowd, she lost sight of them. And as you look around, you see that the streets are so densely packed that it would be nearly impossible to find the individual that cut the coin purse. But you make note of which street it was on, kind of where that crossroads was. Do you want to try and set up an ambush and wait, or do you want to continue on your route and just make sure you check this area out on your way back? Yeah, I would continue on. I would uh, tell the woman to make a report uh, with authorities, and I would continue on, but keeping an eye out for for this cut first. All right, uh, you you direct her up towards the Temple's Guild, as you would have been instructed, to the Justice Temple, and uh, she begins making her way up that way. Uh, on your way down to the festival area, nothing really of note happens. You're definitely being more cautious. And on your way back up, go ahead and roll me another d20, this time as a perception check. Perception. Uh, 18. 18, all right. That is very good and much higher than the stealth roll that uh, this little urchin just made. So as uh, you get too close to where that crossroads is, uh, you're definitely paying more attention, and you see a blur out of the side of your vision, and you kind of step back as this small child-looking individual, definitely not a child, but dressed up to appear to be a child, lunges in front of you with a small knife, and looks like they were trying to slash at your purse on your side, or your coin uh, purse on your side, and uh, you are able to nimbly dodge out of the way. Do you want to... Uh, you want, mm-hmm, go ahead. Uh, as I dodge, I want to stick out the butt of my my standard and in attempt to trip him. All right, yeah, he crashes to the ground with a thud, and you see as his uh, cap falls off, it actually, uh, rather than a small child, appears to be a gnome of some variety, like a deep gnome or, or some other variety of gnome. Deep gnome. Is this one of the gnomes that they found? Uh, that they spotted earlier? No, this would be a different one. Uh, not one of the ones that you saw earlier, but this uh, gnome appears to have been dressed up uh, to look like a child with kind of a blonde wig on and some sort of patchwork uh, type hat and clothes that were definitely more childlike than what a normal person would be wearing. You can tell that this is some sort of disguise, most likely. Uh, did he drop the knife? Or the dagger? Uh, he did, yeah. Uh, when he landed with the ground, the small dagger, uh, not big enough to actually be a dagger. Uh, this would be kind of a pin knife, just a small, maybe two-inch blade at the most. Uh, skitters a couple feet in front of him as he hits the ground. I would head straight and try to retrieve the knife. And then after that, I would be picking him, picking him up, trying to restrain him. All right, go ahead and make a strength check. Uh, you can use athletics if you would like to, as he tries to squirm out of the way. I would love to do that. <laughs> 19. All right, that is much higher than the 12 that I rolled. So you are able to get a hold of him and uh, restrain him. Would you call out to the Temple Guild uh, or for assistance, or do you want to break that sigil, or do you just kind of... You know, tie him up and wrestle him down. 
Yeah, I would like to call for the nearest Temple Guild uh, personnel. Alright, you can tell that there are several priests of justice, clerics of justice running around, and uh, they are very easily able to get up to you, and I'm assuming you explain kind of what happened, and uh, then release him into their custody, correct? Yes, correct. Uh, Then I also give them the knife that they used if they're privy to gathering evidence. Yes, they would take the knife and the deep gnome and uh, thank you for catching him. There had been several pickpocketing incidents in this area today, so they are very grateful for the assistance. Why not? Alright. So then uh, you make your way back up to the Fighters Guild and you start your last round going down. Once again, roll me 2d20. Be a five and an eight. Okay. As you make your way down towards the festival area, you can tell that it's starting to close up a little bit. Most of the people are trying to get towards the festival area for that large bonfire that's going to be starting fairly soon. You notice out of the corner of your eye a strange glowing, I don't want to say stand or booth, but kind of a table set out, kind of like what you'd see in those really cheesy versions of like a fortune teller, kind of a purple cloth table with a glowing ball on the top of it and all sorts of weird random objects on top that have a slight glow to them as well. And you see what is very obviously somebody in disguise, a large cloak or a large hooded robe over their face and a uh, low rumbling voice escapes the, the mouth of this individual and they say, I sense a very powerful enchantment on that standard you bear. (coughs) Excuse me. It intrigues me greatly. Curious. I I step closer. Not much. Not (sighs) much people notice it. Notices it. Uh, not really. There's enough other strange and unique things around that nobody's paying a super close attention to what's going on, but... After you step within, how close would you get, uh, feet-wise, roughly? Probably 10, 10 feet away from him. Okay, yeah, as you get within 10 feet of him, uh, you notice that you originally, when you were kind of, when you first heard his voice and first noticed him, it was kind of hard to notice him. You know, it, you, you saw him there, but it was hard to register that there was somebody there. But once you get within that 10 feet mark, you... That, that strange effect seems to release and you know that he's there and you can tell that he very much stands out. Uh, when he reaches out with his hand, his hands appear to have almost a rough stone-like texture to them. Uh, definitely not normal flesh and not scales, but kind of a rough stone look to them. Would you say anything after getting 10 feet in or would you just kind of look at him there or wait for him to talk? Uh, I just look at him expectantly, holding, uh, tightening the grip on the standard. Uh, if if you want to show it to him, you can kind of hold it out, and he'll just hold his hand in front of it, but he won't actually touch it. I unfurl, I untie the the cord that's been keeping the flag, uh, the standard roll, and just show him the insignia. Okay, you see that his stone hands begin to glow a little bit. And uh, he looks at the standard and he says, Ah, I see that within it, it has powers of spirits of the past. The enchantments on this are very interesting indeed. 
it is it is known that I am not the first one to have the honor of bearing the standard. Sadly, I'm probably going to be the last person to be able to do so. I understand that entirely. Most of the enchantments that I end up creating on objects are only wielded by their heroes for a short time before those heroes' lives end. And I can see that you are not one that is prone to vast amounts of wealth, so I will not ask you to purchase any of my enchantments today. But if you do come to me some other time, when next we meet, if you let me study the standard in closer detail, I would be happy to add my own touch to it and grant it new abilities. You... Who are you? I am known simply as the Enchanter around here. If we meet again, maybe I will tell you more. Perhaps. But I have a job to do, and have a nice night. You as well. May we meet again soon. And as you exit that kind of ten-foot range, as you step out, you see that his his booth, his stand, and himself uh, kind of begin to phase out, uh, almost as if kind of you cross your eyes and things get blurry. It, it kind of gets blurry, and then all of a sudden, he's just not there anymore. I just look around. People even notice his presence. Not at all. His sudden, very curious. Yes, very much indeed. Uh, as you continue your way back down towards the festival, you can see that the uh, people are getting more and more packed in around the actual bonfire as it's going to start in about an hour, uh, right about the time when your shift ends, and you uh, make your way back up. You don't see anything of note on your way back up. Um, let's see, the first roll was a six, the second one was an eight, correct? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, with the eight, um, the only thing that you really notice is uh, kind of more of the same uh, type stuff. You see more drunken individuals, you know, kind of getting sloshed in the street. Uh, no open brawls, but you can tell that probably tonight there's going to be more than one Justice Cleric going fist to fist with a very belligerent uh, drunk individual. And uh, you make your way, yeah, you make your way back up to the Fighters Guild. Uh, would you report anything other than uh, the pickpocketing and that kind of thing, or would you just accept your coin and walk on? I would definitely report the cut person, relay them towards the temple, uh, the temple guild for additional uh, information, and probably tell them of the inch of the encounter with the enchanter. Okay. They definitely nod at the comment about the Enchanter, saying that, yeah, they've heard that there have been several other very strange and odd merchants running around, and it's odd that that they would just disappear, but stranger things have happened. Apparently, uh, there was a large argument between a very tall, golden-eyed individual and a small, fedora-wearing gnome that ended up getting into an argument with some man that just like walked into a door that didn't exist earlier and disappeared and they all sorts of strange comments and a bunch of rats were let loose in a, in a mill outside town and it's strange things have been happening all over the place so then would you uh, they give you your coin is there anything else you would like to report before you head out 
Yeah, nothing. I don't think I have anything other, anything of note to report. Okay. You get your one gold piece and they give you your contract. Now that your name has been sealed, or now that the contract has been completed, you see that the blood that you sealed it with has disappeared off of the paper, and instead it shows a signature of the Fighters Guild on it. A human-looking individual wearing hide armor is sitting behind the desk and says, if you bring that paper back, it's a guaranteed spot in the Fighters Guild now that you've completed the job for us. You've proven yourself trustworthy, and as such, we have uh, went ahead and marked on your contract that it was done uh, to great satisfaction. Uh, and do we, to each contract, uh, does every employee have a have an observer? Uh, once you, if you join the guild, you won't have an observer like you do now. Uh, that's only for non-members, but most contracts will, yes, have an observer of some variety. Uh, especially if you take assignments from other guilds if you're unproven. Once you are proven or a member, a lot of times you can skip out on the Observer unless it is a especially tricky or dangerous contract. I see, I see. All right, anything else you would like to do before uh, heading out? Um, nothing. Uh, aside from stating my interest on the other job, uh, I think that's it for, for the fighters. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and seal this contract with you as well now that you've completed the last one. Go ahead and come back in two days' time and we will have a batch of new recruits ready for training. What is your weapon of choice? I've been known to use old arms and long swords and a bit of uh, horseback um, mounted combat. Okay, then we will put you in a group of spearmen for their first training. I do warn you that this year's group, or that this current batch, does not look very promising, but I'm sure you'll be able to whip them into shape at least a little bit. (laughs) All right. So then, after that, are you going to head down to the festival area, or are you going to head back to the drunken mug and call it a night? What time would it be by the end of the shift? Yeah, by the end of the shift, the bonfire would just be starting. It would be probably the sun had gone down not very long ago, probably just now setting. So we'll call it uh, 7 to 8 o'clock-ish. Yeah, I would head down to the bonfire proper and probably take in uh, the culture. Or uh, inter- yeah, I'm just basically interested on what's the point of this is up. All right. Um, where would you be carrying your standard? Uh, it's on your polearm, so would it be uh, in your hand or on your back? Uh, I would be using it as a walking. Basically, as a walking stick. All right. As you are walking down the street, heading towards the bonfire area, all of a sudden you hear a very loud cry, and from the top of one of the buildings, a large statue, like a gargoyle-looking type adornment, falls off of the building, and as you jump back, it catches your spear your standard and with a crash it lands to the ground being taken from your hand but as you reach down in a panic to grab it you see that a strange glow has appeared around your standard and as you pick it up you see that the uh, large adornment that had fallen on it weighing several hundred pounds split in half almost as if your, your pike was a wedge and as you pick it up Uh, you see a strange script 
seems to be written across the uh, shaft of the pipe. And uh, in a very quick glance at it, roll me an arcana check. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, um, 14? 14. That is just enough that you're able to decipher the meaning, but not necessarily the exact words. It translates roughly to unbreakable or unbendable or something along those lines. And you get kind of the strange deja vu as when you stepped into that enchanter's presence. And after a brief second, you look it over in a panic, you see the uh, script on the shaft of the uh, pipe fades out, and nothing remains of the, the strange glow that you saw. And as you look up at the top of the building, you see two very large, drunken, very obviously drunken men say, Oh, crap! And run off uh, into the distance. And this building's about three stories tall. They kind of leaned oh, over the edge and ran off. I would like to admit uh, that I might have. Uh, would like to take in their appearance. Yeah, they were. It's dark enough that it was hard to see, but they were both humans. That you, uh, as far as you could tell, they were humans or half humans, at least. Uh, both had dark hair. One had a very large, bushy beard. The other one appeared to have stubble. Um, or maybe carefully trimmed, you're not 100% sure. But you do see a justice cleric come running and notice the gargoyle on the ground. Would you kind of point him in the direction of the two drunks? No, I just pick up up my stuff and dust myself off. Okay. No, uh, peace, my friends. It seems like a loose, uh, loose debris. I don't know. Okay. He kind of looks up at the top of the building and looks back at you and kind of nods his head and and uh, just tries to get some assistance uh, from other individuals around and clears off the gargoyle or whatever the statue was before returning to his patrol. All right. Uh, you can go ahead and add to your character sheet on your magic item, and I'll type it into the PDF and resend it to you. With the uh, uh, encounter with that enchanter, your pike and uh, standard have gained the unbreakable property. This item can only be broken by special means. The special means you do not know yet, but it is unbreakable by normal means. Okay. All right, so then you head down to the bonfire. Uh, you enjoy the hour, hour and a half, I'm sure, that uh, it would take for the fire to burn down and all the rest of the festival to finish. And then as everybody is leaving, do you head back to the drunken mug? Yeah, I do. All right. It's probably late. Mm-hmm. It's probably late at, by this time. Yeah, it would be 9.30, 10 o'clock-ish. Yeah, I guess I have a few... Uh, I have time for, for a nightcap. <laughs> yes, uh, you are able to uh, kind of walk behind the bar. There's a little sign that says, just leave your coin for your drink. And uh, a bunch of clean mugs and a, a, a several casks behind the bar, so you're able to walk behind there and grab whatever you want, leave your coin, and head back upstairs. Same nightly ritual. Okay. And with that, um, we will go ahead then and end this session. So thank you very, very much for uh, taking part in this, and hopefully we'll get you in a group game very, very soon. Is there anything last minute you'd like to say before we end? Well, uh, thank you for having me, and yeah, it was really fun. (laughs) I'm glad to hear. Thank you much, and I'll talk to you later. 
Thank you for listening to this introduction of The Chaos Plan. We hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I know this is a ton of fun for us here, and we are open to bringing in absolutely anybody that wants to. Just join our Patreon account, and we promise that you will be a part of the Chaos Plan game. You will get an intro mission like this, and then at least one group mission, and when scheduling works out with everybody, we can get multiple groups going, as this isn't going to be one continual storyline. This is going to be a series of one-shots that all meld together into an overarching idea and campaign. So if this is something that interests you, if there's a homebrew you really want to play, if there's a class, a race, something that really resonates with you that you think would be a lot of fun to bring here, we encourage you to join the Patreon, put it up, and we will make it happen. Uh, You will also get a custom magic item that will grow with you throughout the campaign, and you can help use that item to shape the adventure in what you do. So if this is something that you feel interests you, please join our Patreon account, and we would be more than happy to get you on the show here. To do that, go to patreon.com slash adventuringguild, and I hope to see you there.